Welcome to Hope Talks Podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. We would love your feedback and invite you to take a short, anonymous survey. You can find the link to the survey in the show notes. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Leah Wolf. Leah, how are you doing today? I'm good. Very hey, good. It's good to have you here today. Yes, thanks for asking me. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so we are about sharing hope with others, and as I've watched your life, um, it certainly has been hope-filled as I've watched you grow and come out of a really, um, probably I could say, dark place, right? And so... Uh, we want to hear about what God's doing currently in your life, um, the hope that you're um, able to bring to others um, in these days. But before that, people need to hear your story. So uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about where you're from, how you grew up? Yeah, so I grew up here in Harrisburg, Virginia. I'm a valley girl. Yes. Um, so I grew up uh, with just normal middle-class family Um My mom definitely was pretty diligent about taking me to church from a really young age. And um, my father had some addiction issues of his own, so at times that would affect our family life. And eventually it ended in my parents' divorce when I was nine. And it definitely rocked my whole world. Um, And so that escalated me coping with things you know with food was really the first addiction that I had Um, and that you know obviously caused me to gain weight and so that caused a lot of bullying and such things at school which added to the stress that I was already carrying at home and eventually I found release in cutting and that was a big big thing in my life for a long time um yeah it just escalated slowly from there Uh, I was sneaking liquor out of my dad's cabinet and you know eventually turned to marijuana and yeah it just kept getting worse and worse Yeah. yeah yeah so as a little girl going to church do you have any memories of just something that during this time of that was really hard at home, was there something when you went to church that brought comfort? Like, what was that experience like as a little girl? Um, from what I remember, it was a family. Um, and that was a safe place for me. Uh, a lot of the kids there I was very close with. We would go on retreats a lot, and you know, I'd always, I mean, I'm still friends with some of those people, mm-hmm. you know, so that was uh, a really core family. I actually lived with our pastor, with my mom, for like three years mm-hmm. during the divorce. So they were our safe place, and uh, I was really good friends with her daughters and all of the family that was attached to that. Uh, and I also really found uh, what I didn't realize at the time, but it was a calling. Um, and that was, I was leading children's ministry 
and I was a child in ministry. <laughs> so they would let me sometimes just lead on what I felt like the Lord was doing in my life or uh, just speak about you know, what he was talking to me about kind of thing. Uh, I don't really remember like the details of it. But I remember thinking I was, you know, really important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, I get to do this. <laughs> uh, so that was definitely a stepping stone that I didn't even realize was one mm. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're talking about, you know, that was how it made you feel. And But isn't that the truth when we find our place that it brings joy? Mm-hmm. Like we find this fulfillment that we never find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. In serving so that's really cool so how did you mention that you helped lead the children's how did that come about uh, I don't really remember honestly uh, I remember one of the children's ministry people they kind of were just like hey like you know it wasn't like official right. it was like hey yeah. like let's let you talk right. about this because apparently I had a lot to say. <laughs> and so so that's kind of how that went. It wasn't like, oh, you know, in the bulletin, like we as leading right. children's ministry or anything. Right. But I do remember I was really into teaching. Like that was a gifting that I had. And they let me fill that gifting right. at times when it was appropriate. So right. Yeah, it sounds like you had leaders that were – not just there to be up front themselves, but right. they saw purpose in others and gave right. you that platform yeah. that they could have had. Yeah. Right. But they gave it to you because they saw that you had the gifts. That's right. really cool. Yeah. That'll preach. Um, <laughs> so fast forward, you've talked about this, what started as a, a eating and addiction. It's a comfort thing, right? Mm-hmm. When everything else around you, it's the one thing you can control Things taste good. So it starts there, but um, it took you further uh, mm-hmm. than you wanted to go, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to talk about that? Yeah. So I kind of experimented uh, with marijuana, alcohol, um, some pills here and there. And that was on my own, just kind of trying to, you know, at the time, just trying to feel good and you know, masking the pain in my life. And Eventually, I ended up, I was about 14, I ended up in a really bad relationship, and that drove me to a lot harder things. Uh, Before long, I was using cocaine. Um, Pills were a really big thing for me. And so that was really difficult to try to, you know, maintain this whole, you know, I'm cool kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, with this new guy. And I was so happy to have attention in my life mm-hmm. that I didn't even realize that it was not good attention. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was full in from, you know, our first, okay, let's be together. And uh, I was with God in this place. I was pretty angry with God. Um, I turned away from the church and I was 12. Um, so that was before this relationship. Um, I had a friend of mine die in a car accident, and that was my final straw. Mm. I was like, why would you take her away? You know, she was a great person, and there was no... I couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. 
my pastor kept trying to explain, you know, free will and all that stuff, and I just wasn't having any of it. <laughs> I had made up my mind, and I was I was done. Um, she even bought me an apologetics Bible trying to get me to understand, you know, because I had all these arguments. It wasn't just, hey, I'm mad. Like, I put some, some stuff behind it. Like, I was <laughs> not here no more. Uh, and so that really... That really changed my whole attitude. Um, it wasn't just the drugs. Like, my, I was rebellious. I fought with my parents constantly. Uh, my dad was now the cool parent, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, total flip-flop from where I was. And so, you know, when this guy came along, it was like, hey, like, that's not part of me anymore, so... Basically, there was no rules in my life, and I realized I could make my own decisions, and I didn't care what anybody had to say about them. (laughs) And so that was was really the beginning of the downslide. Uh, I did manage to graduate high school, uh, and I actually graduated from a vocational school for criminal justice, (laughs) which was kind of funny, you know, now, but... uh, Definitely, I wanted to understand uh, just the cruelty in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be a criminal profiler. I was fascinated, still am, with psychology and just, it's going to sound kind of morbid, but, like, I wanted to understand why serial killers can do the things that they mm-hmm. do. Like, I yeah. was like, why? Like, yeah. it just, I could not fathom in my head the cruelty of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Being with somebody that I now realize had some significant traits of what I was trying to study. And it was like, it, it was kind of, you know, back and forth. Like, it, was, it wasn't quite right. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was really painful in the end. You know, I had to let that go because it's no longer a dream that I can pursue. Uh, but... Yeah, that was really a passion of mine for a long time was just studying people and, you know, why do they do the things that Mm -hmm. they do? Yeah. And, you know, not even realizing I was probably trying to understand myself. (laughs) Like, why am I doing all of these things? So that that was really heartbreaking to lose that. Um, It's probably one of my, you know, I wouldn't uh, redo my life, but it definitely is something that I wish I would have pursued more because it may have kept me away from things but god had other plans that's right that was my plan yeah Yeah. you talk about what happened that you weren't able to pursue that i don't know if you want to go into any of that or we can just assume what that is and we can just move on i can share that um there's definitely more build up for that um so after this relationship i was in Um, just, it got to the point where it was constant abuse, day-to-day basis. I was, like, constantly in fight-or-flight mode, and uh, my life was definitely in danger more times than I can fathom (laughs) and stay sane. (laughs) So that turned into even more pain, trying to mask. Uh, We went, me and this guy went through a heroin addiction together, and so, you know, at this point, I was IV using, and we actually quit together, which is 
one positive thing I can give him. (laughs) But yeah. Praise God that you were able to quit. Yes. Statistics are 70% cannot kick it. Yeah. Um, It's a very low percentage of people that come off of heroin successfully. Yeah. It was not easy. (laughs) Three months in the bed, you know, very sick, just very restless, um, just awful. I was actually trying to pursue a abnormal psychology class at Blue Ridge when I quit. Mm. And I ended up dropping out of school because it was too overwhelming. I was also working two jobs. I was, you know, what people like to call a functioning addict (laughs) at the time. Um, But when I came off of it, I could not. I mean, I was to the point where I couldn't function on it and I couldn't function without it. And... A lot of things happened to actually cause us to make the decision to quit. Um, but it was not even a month after we, well, I have to say it's longer than that. It was a couple months after we had quit, um, he introduced me to meth. Mm-hmm. And I had never liked it, doing it the normal way. Mm-hmm. And first time, I was done. Um, it wasn't long after that I lost everything, lost my car, lost all relationship with my parents. Um, I lost my job. I lost a place to live. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was bad. Uh, and through this is when our relationship got to the point where I could not anymore. And so I left And at this point, you know, I have nothing. He has alienated me from all of my support system through this relationship. We were together for six years. And so that led me to street life. And street life with an addiction, I decided I was going to start dealing drugs. (laughs) And so, you know... Now I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, you know, you were an idiot. <laughs> you know, like, but I mean, at the time, that's where I wanted my life to be. And I didn't think that I could come out of it because I had too much weight on my shoulders. And so um, it really didn't last too long, um, probably a year. I ended up catching some charges for distributing. And so I went to jail. I ended up getting back out on bond, calling the same person that had caused me so much pain to begin with, and he bonded me out, Um, and it wasn't, I don't know, a month, and I was like, I can't do this, (laughs) and we parted ways again, but, you know, instead I was like, well, I'm not going to deal to fuel my addiction, and started doing other things with people, Um, you know, just being in that crowd of people, uh, I ended up being with the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time and caught some more serious charges. And, you know, knowing me, I I was guilty of so much. I was like, hey, you know, here I am. <laughs> you know, like, it is what it is. I ended up doing two years in prison and lots of felonies to ruin all of my schooling. Uh, so... That was that was quite the journey, uh, and unfortunately, I was actually, I was prepared to go. Like, I knew where that road was going to take me because I'd been to school for it. Like, I was like, I already know where I'm going because of this, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it was okay with me, and you know, I'm like, it's 
just crazy now. <laughs> like, it's just, I'm so done with that life. You know, when I see people and work with people now and see that in them, I just, you know, just like, God, you're the only one that can change this, you know, right. because I've been there and I just know. And it's like a, it's a caution to the wind determination. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. So, yeah, um, that two years, uh, I got out and did okay for a while. Uh, I came home to live with my parents, and they didn't trust me. I wasn't even allowed to have a key to the house, so I couldn't be home, you know, without somebody there. And so that was, like, kind of discouraging. And at this point in my life, I don't think I was spiritually mature enough to understand that I had to build that back. You know, I definitely had found God in jail. So it was a God thing for me to have gone in and be sat down and be stripped of all of the things around me. Uh, And there was somebody that I actually talked to through, this is going to be funny, the toilets at Rockingham County Jail. And so... You know, it started out as like, oh, this will be fun just because, you know, we have nothing to do. Mm -hmm. But he kept pressuring me and arguing with me all the typical arguments I have about, you know, God's not real. And, you know, if he was, he wouldn't let all this stuff happen and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I challenge you to do one thing. If you do it and you don't want to do it again, I'll leave it alone. I said, okay. And he told me to read the book of James. And so... I did, and I don't know, like, what happened, but it was, like, everything in my life that I was experiencing, like, the brokenness of the world was in those pages, Mm -hmm. and so I was like, okay, like, maybe we can try this again, (laughs) you know, like, I was still skeptical in my heart, but I just remember it coming alive to me Age and speaking to me so deeply about my life and who I was and who the people I had surrounded myself with were. And so that was that was really uh, an eye-opener. And we actually started doing Bible studies through the toilet after that. And it wasn't long after I was doing Bible studies in pods and trying to dig deeper. I mean, I read the whole Bible I was open. I still had some bad habits uh, from something that I had picked up in my drug days. Uh, I actually had practiced Wiccan for quite a while through my drug days. Uh, Done a lot of magic and things like that. And so I had some habits and some things that I still couldn't quite let go of. And so, you know, God was working on me slowly, but... I think he knew my timing better than I did. <laughs> so, you know, it was it was a process. It wasn't just instantaneous. You know, I hear stories of people that are just, like, radically, like, bam, like, everything let go of and completely changed person. And I think I'm just really stubborn because <laughs> I wouldn't let go of some of that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so God slowly kept chipping away at things. He had patience like none other. <laughs> so, um that was quite the journey. So when I had come out and my parents were, you know, they were trying. Um, but like I said, I really wasn't spiritually mature enough to understand, like, why can't you just trust me, blah, 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 you know. But, like, I knew something in my heart was not totally 
ready for what they wanted for my life. And uh, I slowly started sneaking around, seeing one of my old friends, and, you know, using here and there between PO appointments when Mm -hmm. it was safe. And, uh, yeah, we ended up in a relationship together, actually. And it wasn't long after that uh, we went on the spiral ring again. And, uh, yeah, I got kicked out of my parents. Wasn't long after that I lost my job. So I was clean long enough to rebuild some things in my life and then just destroy them again. (laughs) And so we were homeless before too long. And, you know, that whole thing started again. And it's it was just a constant cycle, you know, just restarting, except for you picked up. You know, I picked up right where I left off every time. And so, you know, just new things to lose, basically. And, you know, that was... That was different, though. Um, I definitely experienced a lot of things through that time in my life that are kind of hard to describe. Uh, But I know that even though things in that relationship were not the same type of bad as the first relationship, in some ways they were worse. (laughs) And so I know that there was a lot of warfare going on in my life at that point in time and I experienced some things that I can't quite describe uh, but I attribute them now to demonic things Mm -hmm. Uh, now that I have more of a spiritual understanding of what spiritual warfare looks like not just there where we can't see it but here Mm -hmm. you know through people and not even realizing you know that this person is struggling with this and it's causing you to Mm -hmm. now, you know, it's like a chain reaction. (laughs) And so that was uh, another fight or flight relationship for a long time. And through that, I finally ended up, it was when I started calling on the Lord through those times Mm -hmm. and he came and he answered Mm -hmm. and, uh, he saved me more times than I care to admit. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm so grateful for it because I wouldn't be here today. Right. And so that definitely grew my relationship beyond anything what I thought it could be. <laughs> so that was a big stepping stone in me letting go of some of those old practices I started out trying to rely on things like that through that experience and it made them worse go figure Uh, so it was when I finally was just like I don't know where else to turn Um, so that's kind of how that ended up there (laughs) Um, after I left him you know I was still hopping around homeless still trying to make it here and there but still trying to do things as well as I could like I didn't want to dive back in with caution to the wind but I didn't know how else to survive at that point and I still had an addiction that I didn't know how to kick Uh, there was nowhere that I knew of around here that could help me Uh, and I think I really believed the lie that I couldn't Mm -hmm. like you know that I wasn't good enough 
um, you know, all of the things that get drilled into your head in an abusive relationship that you're not good enough to do this, you're not strong enough, you know, you you can't do it. And so I kind of had this belief in my head for a long time. And so uh, I got an ultimatum from my PO to go to rehab. So I went to rehab for a little over a month and when I came out the closest place I could find was Charlottesville Oxford House so I went there and stayed for a whole month <laughs> and my first weekend I could leave I went with an old friend mm. and that was I mean it was like hours after leaving there I screwed up and I was scared to go back because I was scared I was going to get kicked out and at that point, I was kind of looking for an excuse to not to go back because it just felt so strange to me. Like, it was like, you know, this is not who I am. This is not who I've been, like, the majority of my life. You know, like, I don't know how to function without something hindering all of this stuff in here that I don't know how to get rid of. Uh, so that was, that was another fall down, and it continued. <laughs> For quite some time, uh, it was probably, I have to say like seven months later, uh, P.O. caught back up with me, and I went back to jail. <laughs> so, that was quite the, I just remember going in there and just the smell. Mm-hmm. I instantly just jitters, just I was I was crying, which I am not a big crier, so that was like I don't know. Everything was just so overwhelming and it was awful. I was like, here we go again, you know, you're an idiot, you know, I'm beating myself up. And it was through all this a friend of mine was in there with me. She actually came into the intake room with me and she she was like, Leah, it was like a couple weeks later. She's like, you are not a crier. Like, this is not you. What is wrong with you? She's like, I think you're pregnant. And I was like, no, I'm not. You know, like, I was like <laughs> arguing with her. And about a month and a half in, you know, it's long enough to really know. And I was like, okay, I think I need to go take a test. And turns out I was pregnant. And more tears <laughs> I was freaking out um yeah I never even thought I could have kids honestly um just constant drug use you know there was never there was never a time where I had ever had that concern of you know one would make it mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this was like okay you know like what am I going to do? Like, I'm in jail. And, you know, obviously the situation was not ideal. And it was not what I ever pictured as starting a family one day in life. And it's not something I even thought about. Like, I'd never really wanted kids. Uh, I had kind of helped mother uh, my cousin's children for a while. And so I, I was attached to them. You know, I loved them to pieces. But, like, I could never picture, like, me having my own, you know? Like, so I was freaking out on so many different platforms and so many different ways. Like, you know, like how is this going to work? I'm in jail. You know, like, the dad, he's still out using. Like, 
I'm like, oh, like I didn't know what to do. And once again, God showed up and he was just like, you know, this is going to be it. Like, you know, this is your choice. And it's either turn and run from the old life and run towards me or you will lose what you have. Yeah. And it was it was a very long um I ended up getting sentenced to a year and uh, it was a very long year of just I mean probably some of the people in the jail well I was very very moody anyway. I was craving food and I couldn't have food, you know, like commercials. Oh, they made me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Dairy Queen commercial. I craved dairy products a lot and they didn't have any real dairy products in there their cheese it's fake it's very fake (laughs) and so like I couldn't fulfill that craving and every time I'd see Dairy Queen ice cream on a commercial I would just be so angry and I would just snap on somebody and they didn't understand (laughs) if you knew you would know (laughs) you know like the cravings are so different like it's not just oh I really want that like I want that now (laughs) So I was very hateful, and I know I was, uh, but, you know, I had my moments where I wasn't. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that part one of Leah Wolf's testimony was a half hour of hope for your life. We also hope that you will join us next Sunday at noon right here on 1470 AM and 102.1 FM WBTX for part two of Leah Wolf's testimony. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.